casting a big shadow a father's influence in your bulletins today all of you should have received one is uh, three things one of them is a picture of one of our missionaries that we support from the Philippines Mark and Sarah Brown and uh, I do want to pray for them just before we have the message the other inserts are the notes, the blanks, to help you fill it in while um, uh, I'm going through the message, and then a supplement to the notes called the Five Love Languages. We're looking at the scripture out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It's the last of what they call the Pentateuch, or five scrolls, and it is a message from Moses to the children of Israel as he's rehearsing for them what needs to take place before they go into the land of Israel. As we're turning there, I wanted to share with you about three elderly gentlemen who were talking about their funeral coming up, whenever that would be. And they were talking about when you're in your casket, and friends and congregation are standing around you, what would you like them to be able to say about you? One of them said, I would like them to say that I was a wonderful husband, that I was a spiritual leader and a great family man. The other one nodded his head and he said, you know, I'd like them to say that I was a wonderful teacher, a servant of God, and that I made a huge difference in people's lives. And the third guy, who hadn't spoken yet, was shaking his head, and the two turned to him and said, Don, what would you like them to say? And he said, I'd like them to say, look, he's moving. I know, it'll take a while. It's probably the heat that is getting to you. <laughs> My wife says, we never know if your jokes are going to crash and burn, Barry. So... Maybe that one kind of fizzled out of the sky a little bit. That's okay. Deuteronomy chapter 6, casting a big shadow. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In the Hebrew is called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, a weekly proclamation in the synagogues. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Lord, in these next few moments, I pray that you would capture our attention. Help us to focus in and not wander on what your word is saying to us. 
And Lord, your word brings light when it comes into our heart. So we pray for light to come into our hearts and and to open up what your word is saying to us, what your mind is, how much you love us, and what your decrees and commands are all about. We want transformation. We don't want entertainment. We want to be made more like Jesus. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. If I say the name John Muir, any of you recognize that name? Some of you do, John Muir. John Muir is called the father of our national parks. I don't know if you knew that or not. Born in Scotland, on the coast of Scotland in 1838, he moved with his family to the United States in 1849 and moved to the state of Wisconsin. His father was a slave driver, made the kids work from sunup to sundown, and whenever John had free time, he would go wandering through the hills and the fields, and he kind of fell in love with nature. Before he, uh, After he graduated from high school and before he went to college, his father took him on a year-long trip around the country from coast to coast, from north to south, east to west. It took a year. Back in those days, of course, they didn't have cars, so they rode by horses or wagons, and it took a long time, and they saw a lot. And every morning and every evening, as the sun was rising and as the sun was setting, his father would say to John and his other siblings, these glorious colors are the robes of God. John learned from that, how precious God's creation is. And he dedicated the rest of his life with a break in farming and uh, in the California area to conservation. Matter of fact, he became the one who started the Sierra Club. Most of you are aware of that at the end of the 19th century, 1898. The Sierra Club was formed to help conserve our beauty in our country, and the area that he was focusing on was Yosemite. How many of you have been to Yosemite before? Quite a few of you have. It's a gorgeous place. I mean, my goodness, uh, there's one turn after the other. Uh, is is just absolute prime and beautiful uh, surroundings. And John focused on that, and he actually, with the Sierra Club, petitioned Congress to form the first of our national parks, which was um, which was Yosemite. From Yosemite came Grand Canyon and some of the other national parks that we have. So John Muir was a naturalist, but his father was the greatest influence in his life. Each morning and each evening, look, John, the robes of God displayed in the colors of the sunset or the sunrise. You know, being a father is not an easy deal. I, I learned that the hard way uh, when our first son came. Kids don't come with instruction manuals, do they? <laughs> That'd be nice if they did. You know, right out of the womb uh, here, mom and dad, uh, the, the doctor would hand it to you and say, these, these are all the instructions that you need. There's no heavenly tablets coming down from Mount Sinai covering all of life's challenges, and uh, including raising children. And there are bazillions of challenges. Every day we encounter some. Here are some incidences that fathers may have gone through, some of you guys. You have one of the most important meetings of your career at 8 
in the morning and at three, your child is sick and crying and you can't seem to get the child asleep. Or your kindergarten son let out the biggest belch of his life in front of dinner guests. Or your first grade daughter at the family reunion just repeated an awful word that she'd heard at school. What do you do as a father, as a parent? We've all been there. We've all done that. I remember my oldest son, I was playing softball up in uh, uh, Orangevale, and I was just about ready to, my team was about ready to come on the field. The softball diamond was there at the church on Hazel Avenue, and I was, you know, getting ready, swinging the bat, getting myself loose, and the game was going on. All of a sudden, the umpire goes, Tala! Whose kid is that? And out in the center field, my oldest son was relieving himself by the fence. <laughs> and I looked around, and I thought, I hope nobody recognizes him. And somebody from the other side said, it's Pastor Barry's son. <laughs> God uses us fathers to cast a big shadow on our family. And how big a shadow depends on how often we go to fast foods. <laughs> The shadow, fathers, lasts a lifetime. And it's a bigger shadow than you think it might be. Men are given the mandate by God to be the head of the household. That's just the way the cards fell. That's the way God intended it, right from the Garden of Eden. And the task and the responsibility, I can see some tittering over there. Many men are not prepared to lead their families because of their upbringing, and that's understandable. The statistics are overwhelmingly indicating that the absence of a father in the household creates a void in the hearts of children. Now, as I'm preaching this, I don't want any of you to say, I feel condemned, I, I feel like I blew it. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to listen because the statistics are true, but God's grace is greater than statistics. Or the presence of a derelict and abusive dad or stepdad creates a sorrow and an insecurity in the heart of a child. Deep insecurity. Crime, behavior, irresponsible behavior, inability to hold jobs, disrespect of authority are all signs of a fatherless home or a home with an abusive father. Case in point, I've preached to you today or in the past, about Dave Reaver, the Vietnam vet who, on river patrol as a Navy SEAL, took his grenade, white phosphorus grenade, to heave it into the brush to burn it and to clear any ground to see if the enemy was there. Sniper's bullet hit the grenade in his hand. It blew up by his face, knocking him into the water. On board the river patrol boat were three of his bunkmates. He called pervert number one, Pervert number two and pervert number three. Pervert number one was Mickey Block. Mickey Block had grown up in a household where his mother had a new lover probably every year, year and a half. And the latest, uh, the, the reports that Mickey would share with Dave afterwards was that oftentimes in one of the 
of one of the live-in stepdads would take his cigarette butt, call Mickey over next to him, and put the cigarette out on Mickey's skin. Powerless to do anything about it, the anger built up within Mickey. And he volunteered to be a Navy SEAL River Patrol. On his 22nd birthday, he was shot up, almost dying by friendly fire. Years later, as Dave Reaver got out of the uh, Navy, and he was out evangelizing in Michigan, where Mickey was from, he noticed in the back of the auditorium, at the end of his message, a young man stood up to his foot and walked down the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus, Mickey Block. From that point on, Mickey changed. But his bringing up years was very, very, very difficult. Former NFL offensive guard Bill Glass became a prison evangelist after his time uh, playing days. He was able to go around to the various prisons in America and touching thousands of lives of the inmates that were behind bars, convicted of all kinds of crimes. Overwhelmingly, he found that 95% plus of these men behind bars had either zero relationship with the dad or very poor. I have come to the conclusion that there are four types of fathers. And again, this is not a condemnation, but I want you to listen. The first level is a, is a person that just makes babies. That's easy to do. Get together for one night and off you're running. Let the woman take care of the baby. And some women can't handle that. Matter of fact, in Stockton not too long ago, they found a child inside a dumpster, barely alive. The second level is to make babies and provide for them. Food, clothing, shelter, the necessities. That's good. But then the third level comes into play, and that's nurturing your children in love, spending time with them, and being a father to them. That's the third level. And do you know what the fourth level is? The fourth level is saying to your children, go ask your mother. No. The fourth level is to lead your children to Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. In order for your kids to have the best chance and an abundant life, you must bring them to Christ and make sure they are planted in the root of God. Our youngest son especially is, today he's at a, at a church in El Dorado Hills. He's worshiping the Lord on a worship team. My wife and I, one of the best things we did as parents is give our kids a music lessons the theory of music, how to read notes, and then to actually play on a, on, a, on a keyboard. And our youngest son took off from that, did great. God established, in the beginning, the family unit. It was mandated by God to reproduce man and woman and to have dominion over the earth. Good enough? It's become perverted and warped in recent years. A lifelong monogamous relationship
sure to observe and teach God's laws to his family. Those who teach them to his kids, they will teach them to their grandkids, to observe them. And it is crucial to the keeping of generations to be connected to God. What has happened in the United States and in other countries is that the majority of a generation has lost that decree and has not trained their children in righteousness through the word of God. And so we are seeing that displayed on our TV screens almost every day. Passages of scripture goes on to say the blessings of keeping and teaching God's word, you will enjoy long life, you will enjoy the blessings of God inwardly and outwardly, the land will be blessed when you are doing it right. God is one. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your body, heart, soul, and strength, to dedicate your entire being. How do you love God with your body? Well, show up with your body to church, number one. Be a regular attender to church. And number two, don't put into your body or expose your body to any kind of filth that's out there. And it's pretty easy. You can whip out your phones and get to the nearest pornographic website. Love God with all your heart. Keep God's commands first and foremost in your heart. Talk about them to your kids Talk about them every day. Impress upon them the importance and the wisdom of God's word. We would have many Bible studies with my, my sons around the dinner table talking about the scriptures, talking about things. And I would pray with them at night about their needs. I wasn't a perfect father, but these are some of the things that I, I enjoy doing. And then it says to keep God's laws at your, uh, with your hands and with your foreheads. In other words, where you work and the thought life in your mind. Now, Orthodox Jews keep that literally. They actually have what they call phylacteries that they tie up on their wrist and with the locks of their hair. They put in tiny little scrolls of God's word. We're not that, uh, we're, we're not that uh, into that, but we're into getting God's word in our hearts and in our minds. So, the message today, number one, four things to do to greatly influence your children. Number one, love God with all your heart. Love him with all your heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other or serve the one and not serve the other. You cannot put God first and then love other things around you. You have to choose between the two. It's a choice. Do I put God first in my family? Or do I put my family above God? Do I put other things above God? It's a choice that you make. Let me give you an example. Guys, what if your wife was seeing another man? Ooh. Where is he? <laughs> Rearrange his face. And ladies, what if your husband told you he loved you? with all of his heart, and then started seeing another woman on the side. I'm going to rip his lips off. And I'm going to rip her lips off, too. It would break your heart, wouldn't it? God's heart is broken by the fact that we say that we love God, but we love the world more than we love God. The Bible says, love not the world, nor the things in the world. Put God first. Seek 
the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added to you. God will provide for you, but seek Him first. Put God first. Are you excited, Pastor Barry? I am. We had two people in our church at Capitol, I say our church, where Betty works at Capitol Christian Center. They met at Capitol, they married. Chad and Krista, I mean, we're talking about Ken and Barbie, right? Beautiful-looking people. Um, and they moved away after they got married to L.A. She went to a modeling job, and he went to an uh, EMT position with an ambulance company. We're doing well until one day Krista, the wife, caught her husband texting another woman some pretty intimate things. He didn't realize it as he was texting that it was also being transferred to her iPad. All through the Old Testament, God is warning Israel, do not be two-faced, telling me that you love me, and then serving and worshiping idols. Are you all in with God, or are you not? It's a choice that you have to make. As a minister of the gospel for the last 25-odd years, I've seen the results of divided loyalty, broken hearts, broken marriages, children that are confused and hurting. And it's all based on your choices. Men, fathers, love God with all your heart. Your kids will notice that. They will notice it. Secondly, love and serve your wife. With all your heart. Oh, you, th you thought you'd get away with that one, wouldn't you? Love and serve your wife with all your heart. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says this, Husbands, hmm, that must be me, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without saying a wrinkle or any other blemish. In other words, Men, love your wife selflessly as Christ loves the church. In the same way, verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Do you do damage to your bodies? No, you want to take care of yourself. Take care of your wife. Love your wife as you love your own body. Verse 30, for we are members of his body. Love your wife, men. Serve them. Your kids and grandkids and people outside your family see the way that you speak to and the way that you treat your wife. It's the surest sign of the genuineness or the shallowness of your Christian walk is how you treat your wife. And I can guarantee you, I don't bat a thousand here. And so I need to step it up. Men, we're a mess. I, I guess we should. We're prone to be arrogant, self-serving, unteachable, demanding. And the ladies are going, keep going. Know-it-alls. I know, I majored in all those subjects in college, before and after. Find your wife's love language and meet her needs. In the bulletin is, your, is a listing of the love languages. Take a look at it. There's five of them there. Quality time, gifts, service, encouraging words, and physical touch. They're all there. Every one of us has a love language 
that rises to the top. Find out what your wife's love language is, men, and meet her needs. My wife is not big on gifts, praise the Lord. I gave her flowers one time for Mother's Day, and she said, what grave did you get these off of, boy? She was grateful for it, but I, I realized right then, gifts are not the biggest love language that she has. Find things to do around the house to help her. I like to drive my wife nuts, uh, to drive my wife to shopping and appointments and errands. I like to do the dishes, laundry, help out or clean the house. I like just doing things to help her. It's a big thing. There's a crisis coordinator at our district office in Sacramento. His name is Jim Huey, and he, uh, as a Coast Guard uh, serviceman, retired, was into rescue operations, so naturally morphed into a position as a, as a crisis manager in our district office. So anything happens in our district, fires or floods or anything, he's, he's on the scene. He takes a bunch of people with him. And he said to us one time in a seminar, he goes, listen, before I leave on these week-long episodes or two weeks or whatever, I make sure that uh, Stacy's car is filled with gas, that I take care of the bills, and that I do the grocery shopping so she doesn't have to worry about all that stuff. This is, man, this is a week area for us. Service. We're not on earth for everyone to serve us, men. You get it? We're on earth to show the love of Christ by serving others. Love and serve your wife with all your heart. It speaks volume to your kids, whether they're this big or this big. Number three. Be the priest of the family, training your children in righteousness. This is almost not families to sit around the Bible and to, to, look, to look at Scripture, to talk about it, to pray over uh, each other. It has to be intentional. Every night, my wife and I get together and we pray about needs. Again, we are not Mr. and Mrs. super spiritual people. We're just ordinary people like you but we have found a way to help strengthen our marriage, and we have found a way to draw closer to one another by getting closer to God. And we, we pray together, and we seek God's face. We pray for many of you. Pray for our church. Pray for the needs of people around us and our family. Children who were raised in homes where the father is the priest of the family rarely get into trouble, are stable and secure. My boys have never gotten into trouble except for one time, and God delivered him from that big time. In the book of Proverbs, it's very interesting because Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, wrote the Proverbs, most of them. And in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he goes, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Proverbs. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. They will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Chapter 4, listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. All through the Bible, it is commanded by fathers to teach their children the word of God. Yeah, moms can do it too, but there's something special about a dad who steps up to the plate 
and teaches his family the word of God. During the growing up years of your kids and beyond, actually, your children, your grandchildren, see and hear mostly anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-holiness, unrighteous words and actions and attitudes. Do you agree with that? It's out there, even from authority. You watch the news like my wife and I do, coming out of the mouth of people in authority over us is shameful at times. It's a clear mandate from God to actively teach God's word and God's ways. It counteracts the world. Instead of leaving it up to a pastor, if you do go to church, I can't do it all. All I can do is tell you what to do to equip you so that your families can be strong. And most dads don't even go to church. They leave it up to the wife or the mom. Every Sunday there are Sunday widows here. Worldly ways such as picking on weaker people. Godly ways to love and respect and protect weaker people. The worldly ways says you can cheat on your quizzes and tests. Hence the college admissions cheating scandal that came about. Godly ways says study and work hard, avoid cheating. Worldly ways says talk bad in Hawaiian pigeon, talk stink about your coach, your teacher, your parent, your police. I am appalled at the amount of rebellion in this society against law enforcement. It grieves me to see how these officers are treated, sometimes by kids this size. God's way says pray for those in authority. How many of you have been to a Penny's store before? <laughs> I think everybody here. J.C. Penny? Penny's. When he was a kid, he was employed by a grocery outlet back in Hamilton, Missouri, growing up at the end of the 19th century. And one day he came home to his dad and he said, Dad, um, You'll never guess what happened today at work. He said, my boss is mixing poor grounds of coffee with the real rich stuff, mixes it up together so he can get a, a better um, take, he get a better profit. Isn't that great? Isn't that funny, Dad? At the dinner table, his dad looked at him. He said, no, actually, it's not funny. What would the grocer owner do if somebody did that to him? Would he think it would be funny? He said, I want you tomorrow, Jim, that's his first name, to go back to your boss at the grocery store, and I want you to tell him that you are no longer going to work there, that you want to collect whatever is due you, and that you'll find other employment. Penny went on to do dry goods, retail, and the Penny stores are still in business, as far as I can tell. Spend time with your children in prayer, reading God's word, talking about the day's events, talking about issues, school. Speak words of encouragement and kindness and hope. No put-downs. I never, ever put my boys down with words or suggestions at all. I always tried to speak and lift them up. And I remember my supervisor at the Rayleigh's corporate office. Her name was Dawn. And when she would bring her kids into the office, sometimes... She, she would be teasing with it. She'd go, you goofballs. And I thought, even teasing, it, the kids, 
pick that up? Are they really a goofball? And then when they get older, would she like it if her kids turned around and called her a goofball? Be a priest of the family in every way. And it's never too late to do that, by the way. And lastly, have fun with your family and your kids. Have fun with them. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15b, a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Your heart is cheerful, it's merry, it, it just takes in so much, it's so good. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22a, a cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good to laugh, it's good to have fun. Know what kind of fun each of your child likes. Our children like camping, so we went camping. They like to go to the fair, so we went to the fair. When I worked at Rayleigh's, I, I would get off at noon. By then, the kids were sick of going on all the rides, and so we would go over to the petting zoo and just have fun with, with that and do a, just a world of good. And one time, we were camping up by Auburn, uh, way out in the boondocks by this lake. I was the last guy into the campground. Luckily, I got a spot. And as we went to the lake... We heard this commotion in the back. There was a bear that had gone through the camp and had completely totaled this one tent because they left their food out. And so that night, we're sitting there, and we prayed and kissed our boys goodnight, and we all fell asleep except my wife. And the shadow of the bear went right by her tent. She could hear the bear going... <laughs> probably one of the most the scariest times. The next day... The bear came back. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and the bear was approaching the camp. And so I and a couple of other dads got out there and was looking at the bear like this, like I'm going to wrestle the bear, right? And all of a sudden, I felt this thing in my hand, and I looked down, and it was the Bowie knife that we used, me and my two boys, you know, to try to stick the knife in the tree, you know, like Jim Bowie. Uh, and... Uh, he put it on my hand. He goes, Dad, you'll need this. <laughs> A successful attorney said, the greatest gift my dad ever gave me was at Christmas when I opened up a box. And in the box it said, I will give you one hour each day after dinner for this whole year. And he kept his word. And then the next year, it continued. The attorney said, I am the man I am today because of my dad. Dom DeLuise, the comedian, we all know who he is. He's one of the funniest guys I think I've ever heard. He passed away last year. His kids said to, about him after his death, I miss my dad. He taught us to laugh and have a sense of humor, helped us to get through the tough times of life. Kids need to know that their father is approachable, can laugh with them, not at them. Helps the kids feel comfortable around them and let the kids know that they are loved by their dad and that you enjoy being around them. And it shouldn't be where kids were saying at your funeral, that's the only time I ever saw my dad smile is when the undertaker put a smile on his face. Conclusion, love God with all your heart. Love and serve your wife with all your heart. Be the priest of the family and have fun with your family. 
As goes the father, so goes the family. As goes the family, so goes the community. As goes the community, so goes the nation. Nations rise and fall on the moral and spiritual strength of their fathers. There is no substitute for the power and the influence and strength a godly father brings to all around him. I want you to see this video as we close, this short video. God bless all of you. Bless you dads today, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. Bow your heads with me, please. Lord, we just ask that as we close off our service that you would help us all to forgive our mistakes as fathers. We, can, we know them. Sometimes it's played over in our heads. Help us to forget those. Help us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help to give us wisdom to minister to our wives and to our children, whether they're grown or not, to our grandchildren. Give us wisdom, O oh God, we pray. And Lord, we thank you. It's never too late for us as fathers, grandfathers, to have a godly and a positive influence. It's never too late, your word says. Thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they've been playing church and thinking that they can get to heaven just by going to church. Lord, I pray that you would bring a conviction into their hearts today. Speak to them that you are the only way, the truth and the life. You are the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh God, we thank you for that. And we give you praise for what you're doing in our lives. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Lord, put your power and your blessings on these your servants and lift them up in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen.